everyone. Welcome to Player vs. Plot, the podcast where we get together and talk about the stories in video games. I'm Lindsay. I'm Chris. And I'm Sterling. So welcome to our very first episode. Uh, so thanks for joining us. To give you kind of a quick once-over of what to expect, every week or every other week, we're going to be picking a video game. We're going to paint some broad strokes for you about the plot, so spoiler alert, but if you haven't played the game, we'll give you enough information that you can feel comfortable with what we're going to talk about. And then we will dive in, kind of pull apart what makes that story tick. So it originally released on PC, as most indie games do, but recently made its way over to consoles, to PS4 and Xbox One, which I think is where, that's where you played it, Sterling, on PS4. Yep, that's where I got a chance at playing it, and it was, it was something special. It was one of the PSN free games of the month, right? Yeah. PlayStation Network, man. PlayStation Plus. How about you, Chris? Uh, I played it after it came out on PlayStation Plus mm-hmm. on the PC. <laughs> hey, that's what happened you know so recently but still yeah because i was like oh this looks familiar oh i have this on steam which happens more often than i like to admit the ever-growing steam library mm-hmm. it's hard to pass up 20 cent games every Exa- once in a yeah. while so exactly. give me give me your elevator pitch for this game reel me in here okay scrolling through the stream well, library and i see this game i like to think of this game as like a modern day Dark Souls. <laughs> I hear that a lot about this game. Uh, all right, go on. Tell me okay, why. Well, okay, well, one of the thing, one of the many, many things I like about Dark Souls is like, you know, picking up uh, a dagger or something and like learning about the world from the dagger and like kind of putting, piecing the story together like a detective or something. Uh, and in this game, you know, you go and you rummage through people's shit and you learn everything about them. And I think there's some kind of voyeuristic part of me that this must appeal to. I would call, you know, I would call it a snooping simulator. Okay. That's fair. Like that's, dumpster that's diving. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's Dark Souls without the death. Kind of, yeah. All that's right, fair. That's, that's fair. fair. All right, Sterling, did you have the same take on it? No, mine was <laughs> slightly different. It started off for me as kind of like a horror game that turns extremely mundane. That's fair. Though, for some reason, this game did give me weird nightmares after I finished it, and I can't explain why. Like you're at school and you're being bullied? No, it's more about some of the subplot stuff. Uh Oh, those kind of nightmares. Yeah. 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 So, for those of you who haven't played the game, a quick summary. You play as Caitlyn, and it is 1995. So, I I was four years old. I was five. I was about four, too. You're also four. Yeah, yeah. So we would have been very young. But this girl, not young. Uh, college age, because she's been studying abroad. She's been overseas in Europe. She calls up the fam. She's like, hey, gang, I'll be coming home a little sooner than expected. So the game starts. You're on the front porch. Right. You called the fam, and it left a voice message. So you just assumed the family got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're on the front porch. No one's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a new house to you as Katie. Yeah. Uh, they moved while you were abroad. And I think no one no one picked you up or anything. So as far as you know, like you, your family basically doesn't exist right now. Yeah, right. yeah. So you get to the house. No one's letting you in. You find the spare key. You let yourself in. 
And you begin to explore. It's a dark and stormy mm-hmm. night. Yeah, I definitely got Resident Evil vibes yeah. when I first walked in. Because there's like the central staircase, and mm-hmm. then you have the two wings. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, there was also the note on the front door that says, don't investigate, and then a lightning bolt. Yeah, and the note is from your younger sister, Sam. Right. So not the sort of thing I would want to come home to, especially mm-hmm. after like a long time overseas. Coming home to an so, unfamiliar place. Yeah. Let's talk about like how it's set up as a horror game then, right? So you have the obviously the weather, you have the lighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first floor, I mean, I could actually say like most of the game starts with you turning a light on, right? right? In a room. Almost every room you go into, yeah, you look everywhere. Because there's a joke about it at some point where mom's like, oh, you're probably leaving all the lights yes. on, just, which like, is cute. Yeah. But I mean, there's definitely, it's deliberately set up to be dark and stormy. Uh, there are references that you're in the psycho house. Yes. Um, everywhere is dark. Some of them are actually set up like the library. So you do go exploring. That is the entire nature of the game. You as Katie say, my family, they're MIA. I'm going to wander through the house because mm-hmm. screw this note that said, don't go digging. Yeah. I'm immediately going to go digging. And you wander to the library and it's dark except for one light at the desk, kind of at the end of the room, right? So yes. there's a spot of light, but you have to go through all this darkness to get there. Yeah. And there are a lot of moments like that. Yeah. And on the first floor, uh, when you're still kind of figuring out, getting your bearings or whatever, you can see the notes where uh, kids are making fun of her, of Sam, Sam the younger yeah. sister, for mm-hmm. being uh, in the psycho house, mm-hmm. they call it. You see... Uh... There's notes about like a ghost, maybe. Oh, that's right. They reference yeah. that. And there's then... a jump scare. Well, that happens a bit later, but mm-hmm. there there's newspapers in the house that are saying that your uncle died in the house. Your great uncle. Your great uncle died in the house, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a weird dude. A recluse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're you're freaking out. Everything looks kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, and you go exploring to piece together these clues. And as you explore, you read some diary notes from your younger sister. You discover other things left by your sister and your parents. And gradually you piece together a story about your sister falling in love. And that's kind of where a lot of the fallout happened among the family because she fell in love with a girl from her school. Right. So uh, you you put together that she fell in love with a girl named Lonnie. And it's kind of your sister Sam kind of you know, recounting to you her discovery, you know, that she is attracted to girls Mm -hmm. and the difficulty her parents had dealing with that. And you piece together some interesting subplots about the parents as well, uh, which we'll we'll get to. But the gist of the game is really figuring out what happened to Sam. So you realize Mm -hmm. that Sam fell in love with Lonnie and that your parents were having some difficulties. So your parents, while you are home, they're out. They're they're having like a marriage saving vacation. Yes. Or something like that. Yes. Which I don't think you even know that that's where they went for a while. No. That's part of the resolution to the plot almost. And I actually want to talk about that for a second Mm -hmm. because... Like, if someone were to give you this elevator pitch for the game, you'd probably think, okay, I walk in, I read documents in whatever order I want, and then I piece the story together slowly from that, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not really how it works in this game. There actually is, like, a kind of three-act structure to this game. Yeah, they definitely, there are barriers for what parts Mm -hmm. you can explore. And I think that what you're talking about with the pacing... Uh, lines up with how you explore the house even yes um so when you're starting off on the ground floor you're kind of working your way to 
figure out what things are going where go where they're going. Yeah. And then you eventually go up to the for the first floor. Oh, second. yeah. Uh, I was wondering about that. Did you guys go up the stairs immediately, or did you explore the first floor first? Oh, I walked through the first floor first. Like all, like That's as much as you too. could get to. Yeah, yeah which That's I think I is did. probably normal. Probably do, instinct. Probably the yeah. expected instinct of the gamer. I was thinking that because they kind of the the journal entries that are read to you on the first floor are kind of about Sam first moving to the uh, to the house into mm-hmm. the new school, feeling like an outcast. Yeah, and then the letters from the mom's friend saying like, "Oh, I'm so jealous of your new idyllic life." Yes. You get to have a nice big house and live in the country where you're undisturbed by people. Yes. That's the dream. So yeah. you, you put together these notes. You find out some stuff about your parents. Yeah. Uh, but the game is really about Sam falling in love with Lonnie. Yeah. And kind of their difficulties. Not just because, you know, they were they were two girls in love. That they were, they were lesbians in, like, 1995. Yeah. But also because Lonnie was joining the military. So she was going to leave. So... When you say the game is really about uh, Sam and Lonnie, right? What was the point in the game at which you realized that? Because let, let's assume that we don't know anything, right? About what, what's yeah, going on in the story. Yeah, I knew before I played what it was about. Okay. So that's hard for me to really put a moment to it. Did you know, Sterling, what, I the, didn't. what the game was about? I, I just walked in and was kind of spooked by everything. Yeah. Kind of had like one of those Slender Man game kind of feels. Yeah. I thought it was a ghost story. Yeah. So what was, what was your aha moment then? I thought Sam died or something because when you walk in... The fir- one of the first things I did after, of course, turn on the lights because, you know, that's where the boogeyman lives. In oh, the you got to turn on the lights. Yeah. Uh, I went to the um, answering machine and Sam has a message crying and asking, I think, for your... Is it you who's crying or is it Sam crying? Do you guys remember this? I do remember I it. I don't know I, who's crying. I was wasn't, fami- I I wasn't familiar enough with the characters at this point. Someone was crying. Well, because I watched I, yeah. Sterling play it. Yeah. And Sterling... So, Sterling's approach to this game was picking everything up, dropping it, and then walking to the next room. So he hit play on the phone and then starts walking away. And then you hear from the other room someone sobbing. I'm like, you got to go back. Wait, you didn't listen this to the important. You didn't listen to the recording. Well, the first recording was the exact intro. And so I was like, oh, well, That's it. I already know this then. Uh, I, I assume in hindsight it might be Lonnie. Oh, shit. Maybe it is. Because that is what ends up happening, right? Lonnie leaves to join the military. You're right, and then and she calls, calls Sam him. and says, like, can you come get me or Yeah, something. I've changed my mind. Come get me. And Sam says, yes. yes yeah. We're going to set off on a okay. new life together. Which is, so that's the story, right? Yeah. You come home, put together some clues, because your family is missing. You realize that your parents are away on a ch- retreat. Subtly, you know it's to save their marriage. Yes. Your sister, you know, has, has her, her girlfriend, who was going to leave, decided she didn't want to join up. And Sam's like, you know what? I'm leaving the house. I'm going to go get my girlfriend. We're going to go forge a life together. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that is, those are our basic yeah. story plots. And you come home as a relatively normal child yeah. of so, this so, family. So when I listened to that recording, I was like, oh, ultimately this is going to be, this is going to be like the big point of drama is whoever this girl is talking on the on the phone. Yeah, they do that, set that, that up early on. Right. Yeah. And the phone is definitely placed in a position where you're going to find it Yeah. at the beginning of your exploration. I mean, I found it. I can't say because, like, the stairs are, like, right there, and I wasn't sure 
if I was doing what they expected me to be doing right. or what most people would do. Right. So, like, to me, the the first act is almost like, or at least like the ri- kind of the rising action. I don't know what you would call it, but it's like the first floor and the, the second floor. I agree. You know? I would agree. Because mm-hmm. then I would say the basement is like the second yeah, act. Yeah, yeah. And then coming up, once you get to the other wing of the house. Yeah. That's when you have your your resolution, your third act. Yes, yeah. So I'm going to take a moment and talk about where every every story starts. It's setting. Uh, the house and the year. Why do you why do you think they chose the 90s? Um, I think I think the house has almost a horror vibe. Do you think it has any reason for choosing that house for the what the story was actually about? It establishes like the spooky setting at the beginning mm-hmm. because I almost feel like this I guess I would call it a happy ending, right? Yeah. For Sam, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a happy ending yeah. for Sam. So, I feel like as the protagonist, Katie, like it's not a happy ending. That's what you, I was saying earlier. Yeah. Was that you come home, maybe I shouldn't have used the word normal there, but uh, you come home as like a student that excels, as a, per, a child that your parents are proud of, and everybody just left. And they didn't tell you. Yeah. Your parents were like, yeah. this is more important right now. We need to go and fix ourselves because this, because our, 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 Katie is capable enough that she'll understand. She'll figure it all out. And you come home and are completely yeah. in the dark. Well, and there's no, there's metaphorically no forwarding. Metaphorically and li- literally. Yeah. Yeah. There's no forwarding number for Sam. Like, no. it's not like your sister, who you are clearly very close to, yeah. is just gone. I mean, you guys have had that feeling before, right? Like, you like, have you ever come home to a place where you expect people to be for sure and there's no one there and you feel like you immediately try to figure out what the explanation for that is? Yeah, and then I text my parents and they're like, we went out for pizza without you. Yes. Which well, is also a bummer. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> a different kind of bummer. Yeah. But in the but 90s, like, you're not going to just call your parents up. Right, which I think is why they chose the 90s. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. there's this... It was harder to connect to people. Yeah. Like, now it's instant, right? Mm-hmm. I also feel like people... It seemed like people our age wrote this game. Because all of, like, the cultural things they were referring to is stuff that I was like, oh, this is my childhood, too. Yes. You know? Yeah. Right. So I think it's them writing what they know, too. Yeah. Which is a really good way to approach anything. Yeah, like, yeah. I think there's this feeling of nostalgia to it as well. Where you're like, oh, man, cassette tapes. Right. So yeah. do you do you think maybe the happy ending is a twist? How so? In the sense that the first two acts to me, like as you start to understand, like kind of your forward movement through the plot is understanding what's happening to the people in the story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the final act, that's when you start to see all this stuff that you just didn't happen to be able to read before because it was in a different room of the house. Right. And that's stuff about them, things getting better for them and people starting to accept who they are or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that that's a pretty good analysis of it where you're going through and as you're piecing together everything the way the story is told by where the notes are you are told the story of not fitting in heartbreak Uh and finally resolution like the climax of the story is your family is starting to come together as a family and again Mm -hmm. um yeah, that's when you realize everyone being gone is actually the result of good things happening. Right. I think the game definitely plays on your expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's part of the twist feel, maybe, is that 
it sets it up as a horror game. So you're on edge, you feel very tense. Right. And then by the end, you feel like everyone has found some inner peace, some resolution. Yeah. And like, I think, especially that paired with it being the 90s, where, where things like being a lesbian were less accepted, especially for a teenager, I, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I certainly, I mean, like I said, I was, was four at the time. When you came out. Right. But I don't remember that being like a, like a commonly talked about thing in the no. 90s. No, I actually did not think anything other than uh, like a heteronormative, cisgendered, whatever person. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't know that there were people who weren't black or white, which was ironic because <laughs> I am a brown person. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, my understanding of people in the 90s was limited. <laughs> okay. So I think, but I think that's part of it too. It sets you up with this horror vibe and I think maybe that is meant to convey an emotional response in you as a player that might have been similar to maybe the feeling Sam had as she was like, I have to deal with this, these feelings which are not socially acceptable at this time. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the way that the parents felt, like that kind of cliche, oh, you're, you're what now? You're dating a girl? Uh, and, you know, and that they don't, they literally do not believe it to be possible. Yeah, yeah, right. yes. Like, they're not saying, they're not in, de- they are in denial, but they're not denying it. They're saying, like, you're just being silly. They're yes. not saying, like, you cannot be a lesbian. They're saying, no, you physically, like, physically, that doesn't make logical sense. Yes, yes. So I think, I think the horror set up at the beginning might be a way to get the player to experience a, a tense emotional reaction yeah. that could be paralleled <clears throat> by some of the characters you dig into um and they def i actually want to say it, it it almost seems like a twist that ghosts don't exist too i was super bummed yeah i, I was super bummed <laughs> i don't know i think the ghosts of everybody's pasts are what's really haunting them yeah but i wanted uncle oscar to be haunting them uncle oscar is haunting yeah that's fair dad. Dad. <laughs> i wanted it, i wanted it a little more literally though like i was hoping man we'd get into act three and i would, no, I would have to call the ghostbusters i was a coward i was like oh, thank god ghosts don't exist <laughs> i mean I, playing the game i was like i don't have any controls to interact with ghosts and i don't know how i would i carry that'd, be, that'd I, be horrifying I mean, it'd be like amnesia you would, no sorry you would go and get the bible there were a lot there in were the bibles. house. So well, I carried around a pack of cards with me in every room. I don't know why. I just I like having cards in my oh, hands. Okay. On that note, did you guys like try to like reverse the tapes after they were played? I did, and it didn't work. I yeah. was because so, they label the B side, and you can't listen to the B side. Oh, sorry, that's oh, like that's a little weird. thing. But let's. They was, do use a lot of tape. Um. So you have the m- primary way that they tell you the plot, right? Mm-hmm. Is you discover enough things and it unlocks Sam's diary entry. So it plays Sam reading the diary entry. Yeah. But the tapes are separate from that. So it's not quite the Bioshock, I found a tape, I play it while I play the game. The right. tapes, you have to stay in a room yeah. to hear it. Which I liked. I really liked that because what I was doing is, I because I, especially a lot of them were music, which I appreciated. Oh God, I hated, so, I am not into the punk well, I, I didn't sit and listen to the punk and do nothing else, but I liked having Lonnie or whoever is music playing while I was reading the other stuff. Yeah. Oh, I did not. 
I was still under the v- impression that this was a horror game. So I put it in, turned around oh, while I listened to music, yeah, and then I was sense. like, all right, nothing is going on, but it's still playing. So I took it out and threw it, threw it on the floor because I didn't want... <laughs> I told you, that's how he played the game. I didn't just... want anybody sneaking up on me. If uh-huh. the music was playing, I might not hear footsteps. Oh. And I wanted sense. things on the floor because if they stepped on it, yeah. then but it might make I, I, more I, I sound. I think that's, that's valid, though, because... The game does want you to feel like on edge a yeah. lot while you're reading all this stuff. And yeah. I actually was wondering, like, what do you guys? Did you guys think that was a good thing? Did you think that was conducive to feel on edge? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, because I think there's an important emotional message it's trying to convey. Uh huh. And I think, given, I mean, maybe this is me being an idealist, but given like our current and modern experiences having someone just be like oh this is about a girl coming out you know or discovering herself and like resolving that with herself and with her parents that that doesn't spark like a deep emotional reaction with me Uh and part of it could be because it's nothing I've ever personally been through and also nothing that I would be like offended by like I'm just kind of like oh well I think the reason they actually use this horror tone for the most for the most part of this game was to express a lot of the fear and angst and anxiety that somebody who is living in the situation that Sam lives in uh, oh, experiences. What yeah. So what they would be feeling is like, I can't tell anybody, my parents, how are they going to react? I don't even know what's going to happen. So everything seems tense and scary. And you, as the player, are going through and experiencing these horror-type feelings throughout the entirety exactly. of the so, game. So you're saying they use like two different stimuli for Sam and for you to yes. feel the same thing. Exactly, yes. exactly. Because we want to inherently be like, oh, this is what you're going through. So it's kind of like when you play Star Fox or something, and you have the rumble pack, right? Right. And Star Fox or Fox gets hit, right? And you feel the rumble in your hand. Mm-hmm. And it's like, obviously, you didn't get hit by a laser, too. But you feel some kind of feedback that forges yes. some connection. Yes. So like, in, in, gone, like in Gone Home, the dark and stormy night is, is your rumble pack. Okay. I think I could see that. That's right. fair. For sure, oh, for sure. I didn't even think about that so, at all. Do we think the game handles that issue well? Because it can be kind of a sensitive topic still, right? Like anything LGBT related. Mm-hmm. Do you think the game does it? So I don't read a lot of uh, like LGBTQ voices or I don't mm-hmm. really read at all that much anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, when I read Sam's diary entries, I actually felt like I was Sam when I was a kid. I loved her writing. Yeah. All of her, all of her, like, yes. creative writing. Because I didn't, I have to go on the record and say, I didn't love, like, Sam. Yeah. Because I was, like, like I didn't. As a person. Yeah, like, yeah. the way she, she, she was very angry. Yeah, yeah. Which was hard for me. Well, that's something teenagers feel a lot I of the know, time. I know, I know. Like, that's oh, very yeah. hypocritical of you me. You would not have liked me as a kid. I, I. I was Sam. <laughs> uh, you all would have loved me. Well, I was Katie. <laughs> Flawless. I think, I, I was Ranger Rick. <laughs> I mean, Rick. We haven't even introduced him I know, yet. No, I know. I think that that Sam, when she was in her creative writing, was her at her most vulnerable. Yes. And I think that's why I liked that. She felt like she could be herself. Like yes. the way she saw herself as like a like a pirate queen. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Sam, get it, girl. And that's you know that's a very like uh, there's like a structural thing you could say for that because. I would say that the first act is about Sam realizing she could leave her shell, like yeah. about to step past that that threshold because 
similarly to Sam, I was like a passive aggressive angry kid. Like I would take like standardized tests and I would write a bunch of like edge lord bullshit in it to be and then but I would write it as well as I could, right? Right. And like get an A and I'd be like, right. fuck you, like education her, system, you know. Her health assignment. Yes. So I, I like, have done that mm. exact thing. When you had to write about getting your period? Not about my period. Okay. That was I did, I played that straight. I guess this one was pregnancy? I don't remember. Birth it was control? about it was the, about the egg cycle. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah so that would have been a cycle, yes. So I, I did stuff like that when I was a kid. I would write, I would try to break every rule of the assignment that I possibly could. While still technically while still, yes. being true to Be- the heart of the assignment. Right. Because I didn't want to get in trouble, but right. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to rage against the machine. I still wanted my A's. <laughs> I still wanted to get into a good school. You wanted to whisper against the machine. Exactly. You're not going to get in and yes. shout against yes. it. So I related to that, and I think that that's Sam... They're showing you Sam is repressing a lot of things about herself. Yeah. Like her anger. Yeah. Her mistrust of like her authority figures. Yeah. And I think that's especially the way they kind of contradict it with Lonnie's approach to authority is super interesting. Yes. Because while Sam definitely harnesses a lot of like, she's kind of like, I'm not going to act out against the system because I know it exists for a reason. But boy, like screw the system. Whereas Lonnie kind of acts out against the system, but also falls in line yeah. very quickly. Yeah, I, I wants to like, become the system. I yes. think I think Lonnie. So Lonnie and Sam. One thing I thought was clever about how they put them together is that you get the sense that uh, Sam lives this very orderly life, and she wants to, well, not at the immediate moment, but is trying to live this orderly life. But secretly, she wants to be different. Yeah, she wants to to say no, right, to, mm-hmm. to her authority figures. And I think Lonnie is someone who is regularly expressing herself through chaos, right? Yes. But I think maybe she seeks order in some way. And maybe that's why she ends up joining the military. Yeah. Or And also why she likes Sam. Yeah. And I think another interesting note there is that Sam was very clearly raised in a very traditional family environment, right? Yes. Her parents are together, even though they don't it's seem happy together. Traditional American Plut- uh, well, yeah. What's the word for it? Kind of the 1950s ideal American family, right? Atomic? Is it the atomic family? Yeah, an atomic family. Yeah. Nuclear like, family. Nuclear there family. There we go. That there makes more is. sense. Yes, we almost sounded hella stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, she, Sam has, her parents are together, like, Katie, A-plus student, Lots of medals, right? Lots of trophies for Katie. Yeah, you see all of her works. In fact, we see one of the assignments that Sam wrote from Katie's perspective down in the basement. And Katie's is very bullet point to the point. uh, Gets it done, gets an A+, and kind of forgets about it. They seem like a pretty religious family, too. Um, It was very interesting to see. There are Bibles everywhere. Mm -hmm. And notably, in Sam's room, the Bible was in a box in her closet next to some other like really super girly things like yes. like Lisa Frank books from when she was a kid stuff like that yeah and I, so i think that sam grew up in this family where everyone no matter what is happening you do your best and you pretend everything is normal whereas we know that lonnie comes from a family where her parents were were divorced yeah. mm-hmm. and her dad taught her mechanical things as well right yeah. So she's already being kind of exposed to uh, atypical gender roles. Yes. Which is, say practical skills. Well, yeah. yeah, but I mean, 
for, there are definitely yeah, like gender for 90, biases. For 95, yeah, it's like, it's almost like a stereotypical thing to say that you're a tomboy or something if you can fix a car. Yes, like, yeah. yes, which is cool, which is yeah, I, I, I awesome. Yeah, I like yeah, that Lonnie course. can do that. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of this comparison that Lonnie is in a situation that is breaking a lot of those, like, expected norms. Yeah. And then Sam is, like, feeling miserable. Yeah. But still playing along. Like, all of her family is following the expected norms. And th- and this is kind of what we find out on, like, the first floor and the second floor, right? Like, Katie meeting Sam. Kate, Katie, or Sam not Katie. Meeting Lonnie, Sam yeah. meeting Lonnie. Um, Sam getting closer to Lonnie. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk for a second about what's happening with the dad. Because we find his writing workshop. Right. right? In yeah. the library and his, library. And his uh, study are filled with his musings because he's an author. Mm-hmm. And he's been... I thought he murdered someone. When I found his notes, I'm like, he murdered someone. Well, he had like uh, weird post-it notes on his thing saying like, do your you can, you do, can, better. You can do better. But yeah, here's yeah. the weirdest part: is that each word was its own sticky note. Mm-hmm. Like that's a waste of sticky notes. Well, I mean, yeah. it's original. I love how later in the basement we figure out why that's there. But his study is filled with like books and notes, and he, we discover that the dad is actually the author of this sci-fi mystery yes. type of novel about a guy that goes back into time to try and prevent the Kennedy, uh, JFK from getting assassinated. 1963. Right, 1963. I'd read that. Yeah. And Isn't he, there like a whole TV series about stuff like that? Where you... Oh my god, I think you're right. <laughs> I think that literally became a TV series. Oh, with James Franco and oh, uh, Stephen King, I think. I can't. I can't remember. James Franco was, was totally in a TV show about assassinating or not assassinating. I, I think it came out after Gone Home. I think it did. Maybe too. it was based yeah. on that. I don't know. But, I think it came from the character's story, Gone Home. But anyways, <laughs> to get back to the father in this story, um, he's we see through the the notes we find lying around that. He is his book is not getting uh, rave reviews. It's not. I think being, the first one did well. First one did well. The second one was okay, but the publishers were not interested in the third I, one. Yeah, and I think we, find we don't that, find that out till the basement, though, right? No, we find that out in his library in the bar. Yeah, because right next yeah. to like the whiskey. Oh shit! Yeah, okay. so that's why I was like, oh man, this dad is. Yeah. and it looks like he's trying to hide it, so he's trying to yeah. trying to suppress. That his failure in the book world yeah. is and something that he doesn't want his family to know about. On the topic of the library, the library. Um, I, I actually think that's like a really good example of how the game uses uh, like space and the way it uses architecture to tell a story. And it's one of the reasons I actually do think that Gone Home does use aspects of being a game in an interesting way. Um, which is not to say like this could not be replicated in a different medium because you could almost look at Gone Home as being like a walkthrough art exhibit. Yeah. Like if you had enough money, you could build a home with all of this shit laying around and be like, "Come see my art." Right. You could do that, but only Gone like Gone Home lets you do an experience like that for five dollars well, or something like that, right? Plus, it it uh, controls which parts you can access. Yes. Right? Like, you can't access the arguably second act until you've 
discovered certain things. Yeah, you, you have can't access. Well, you can. Right, right. I mean, I, I speed run the game but in not, under a minute. Not on your first playthrough. Right, not most likely. Not without a walkthrough right. or having played it before. So, da- so the dad's library is an example of that because when you walk in, first of all, you you can't see where he actually works mm-hmm. when you walk into the library. You have to walk around like a U curve to get to his actual desk. Right. Yeah. Of the bookshelves. Yes. Yeah. And then when you're walking around that curve, you see like the little waiting area with the little table. I assume that's for Katie and Sam to like play on or something. I don't know what that's or actually they just moved there. So I don't yeah, know they would have already for. been Katie wouldn't have been there and, and Sam would have been a teenager. Yeah. So I'm I've, not sure who that's I for. think Really, the purpose of the U-shape was to, A, give him privacy, because we find also in that room a bunch of dirty mags. Yes. And, you know, we don't want anybody walking in and him... Right. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Well, the library is a weird place for that. You say so. (laughs) But, so, besides, besides the point, on the table, the table that I don't really know what it's there for, but... You find like it's like a women's interest magazine. Yeah, of you, some kind. You find the same magazines right? up in uh, Sam's room. Yeah, and then if you open a secret compartment in the bookshelf, that's where you find the uh, the dirty magazine. Mm-hmm. Or it looks more like a Maxim, even I would say, like a men's interest. But like yeah. it's embarrassing to be reading that on the bus. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So like like you said about the the Bibles and the same thing with the dirty magazine, it definitely uses placement of things like a like a it's almost like you could say coordinates are like a, a method of storytelling yeah it's context it's yeah context right I, like I, it's very different to have your bible on like the table and to have your bible in your closet I, like your character it says a lot about your character motivation yes. i really enjoy the fact that they placed all these things in intentional spots because it kind of felt like in this regard it was merging theater where there's importance and staging with a book that you get to experience so it kind of felt like a merging of the two where you could Mm -hmm. like immerse yourself into a world yeah and finally like experience it firsthand but also it not be unintentional which a lot of games seem to do and you you write about like the way that that merging theater with it can be important because like for my job like sometimes i have to open up like a case file or something right and i have like defendants and i have like the complaint and all of this stuff is like biased information Mm -hmm. right just like all the notes you find it's all filtered through people's mouths right but what I don't have is the element of truth that comes from coordinates. Yeah. So, like, if you see a dirty magazine and you don't know where it came from, you don't learn as much as if you did from seeing that the dad hid it from everyone else. Yes. If you just had, like, a collection of every document recovered from this place... It would be different. Yeah, you might think, oh, this magazine was just one of the books in the library. Yeah. It might just be on the shelf. Yeah. It might be on the coffee table. Yeah. You know? In the kitchen. Yeah. So there, you could almost say that, like, the placement of things is almost like a counterbalancing little morsel of truth. It's a narrative device. Right. So, like, for Katie, you can say, yes, Katie owns a Bible. And Katie might tell you... Not Katie. I keep mixing up Katie Sam. and Sam. Sam might say at church or something, yeah, of course I have a Bible. Right? But you know from the context in which you find it that Sam hides her Bible. Right, yeah, that's clearly not something she holds personally important to her. Right, right, right. So let's 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 do it. Let's keep going down the train tracks of the father's subplot. Okay, so, so 
when you move to the second act, mm-hmm. right, that's through going to the basement. Right. So it's what we in know. In the darkest part of the family's <clears throat> house. House. And also their experiences. Yes. Yes. So what we know about the dad so far, he's a writer. He's a failed writer. Oh, and he reviews electronics. Yeah. And he's actually starting to maybe subconsciously insert stories about his childhood as he's writing these reviews. Is he really? I missed that in the reviews. Yeah, so his day job is that he writes, like, I don't know, is it for typewriters or word processors yeah, or something like that? Yeah, it was like for that? something like that. Some kind of electronic device, and his publisher sends him a, a note, and they're like, hey, your reviews used to be great. Um, I did this as a favor for my friend, so you already know he got this through someone maybe feeling sorry for him. I don't know. Which is, <laughs> ooh, uh, yeah. the bar. Yeah, and then the guy, the publisher says, like, you used to write good short reviews to the point what people want to read now you're like throwing in stuff like reminiscing about your childhood you're talking about uh when you went for a walk with your uncle whatever and he is in his uncle's house it is the father's yes. uncle's house that you oh, are living that's a key in. point yes. that is a key point so so now we get to the basement yeah, you go to the basement it's super dark spooky scary basement yo and uh you head down there is that where the crucifix is? No, the crucifix is in the secret passage between the bedroom uh, and the library. Gotcha. Which you have to go to before you get to the basement? Uh, I think it's after. I think it's... It doesn't matter because anyway. it's not that important. It's just filled with weird uncle stuff. Uncle Oscar. <clears throat> yes. Not a ghost. Not a real ghost. Still a ghost a of your father's past. Ooh. What'd you find out? Because uh, you go down there and you find things about your father um like his father so your grandpa left your dad a note with uh regarding his first book saying oh wow this was this was a good first book you know very cliched and i feel like if you want success you you could do better you can do better oh so that's what his sticky notes were yeah i just put that together yeah because his dad says, you know, it's cliched, you can do better, um, this is nothing new, this is just a bunch of tropes, whatever. And then if you were to go back to the study where he's, like, writing, he has all the, the pins and stuff with the sticky notes, those say you can do better. Going back to this cliche again, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, like, and, and the way he's writing it, I don't get the sense that he's, like, quoting his dad. I think he's, like, internalizing these things. Yes. Right. Yes. It's something that he felt so deeply. It struck some chord with him. And in fairness, like, I I mean, I talked to Chris about this. I, as a third party, was like, oh, the dad's being, you know, he sees the best in his son and wants to push him. Yeah, but yeah. obviously, it's placed in the basement right before some super dark stuff. Yes. So I don't think I, I interpreted it the way. <laughs> I was yeah, like, that dad. to me was like a low point. Yeah. I would be like, if I'm the dad and I get this note, and the publisher is already... Well, actually... This is after his first book had actually, like, been published and it was selling, so maybe he was, like, on a high, and then he reads this note, and he's like, oh, no, I'm garbage. Like, yeah, and maybe that's the precursor to his next book's not being as good. That's yeah. possible, yeah. Maybe if there was too much pressure and he wasn't doing what he loved anymore. I so know. you find I think, the note from his dad. Right. I, I just wanted to say, I feel like sometimes that kind of note might have inspired him to believe that he can do so much better than what he's doing that he kind of stopped trying to do anything in between. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Then it kind of forced him into this downward spiral that he needed to get out of. Yeah. Yeah. 
because what they tell you when you're when you're learning how to write fiction or whatever um is you have to write garbage like you you have to write no matter what and you're gonna write bad stuff and you have to write that for the good stuff to come out too so i'm halfway to writing the good stuff is what you're telling me chris yes yes i have got step <laughs> one <day> down <laughs> so so I think that when you get criticism like that, like especially if you're you're a very fragile person like me, you <laughs> freeze up and you're like, oh no, the next thing I have to write has to be way better than this. Or it could even go the other way. Even if you wrote something good the first time, you have you're now thinking everything I write has to be better than this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And rappers have that problem a lot. Yeah. Nas. No. Yeah. I don't most stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like Jay Z. He doesn't have that problem. Yes, always that problem. great. hundred and ten percent, a hundred percent of the yeah. time. But I, the the reason I say this is because you actually do see like musicians go through this too, where they make you know they have the, yes. their first album and it's like the best thing ever because yes. all of their emotion has been well, concentrated into this. That's why you have one hit wonders. Yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's like a thing. Mm-hmm. So you find this about the dad, and mm-hmm. that's a bummer. You're like, oh, poor dad. And then you move into this weird, like, little cellar. At first, I was like, is this the servant's quarter? What is this creepy little... And it is, I think, because there's bells to ring. Yeah. So it's like a creepy little... I'm like, this is it. This is where the ghost pops out. Yeah. It was worse. It was worse than just a cliche ghost, though. No, that was where Sam and Lonnie would do the dirty. Did they really? Yeah. Uh, Wait, yeah. You didn't... Oh, oh, no. I'm thinking of a different room. I'm combining two rooms. Yeah. I thought... I was thinking of the safe. Yes. So yeah. the is okay, an okay. offshoot of that. So so the servants room is where is where Sam and Lonnie would meet up. And then and, and would you call this like this the second act because this is where like I think at this point we find out Sam and Lonnie decided to start dating right. in secret, right? So in the basement is where the dad's secret and the uncle's secret is kind of kept and it's also where Sam and Lonnie's secret like relationship is going on. Right, as well as their secret magazine that they're trying to make. Oh, that's right, yeah. About uh, feminism and uh, fighting against the power. Which was a very ni- also another 90s thing. Right. The zine craze. Oh, like, my gosh. self-publishing. Yes, yes. Good on them, though. Yeah. I was like, way to go, girls. Yeah, who self-publishes stuff now? Who wants to... Right, like yeah. a podcast? <laughs> What's that about? Yeah. So like, what was they had like a cool graphic too? They like a combo. It was like a Wonder Woman esque kind of style. Yeah. So of course I was on board. I yeah. was like, is this kind of like Wonder Woman? I am there. Yeah. You have all of my attention. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. That was cool. Yeah, but, but I liked how it, it was, the basement is where this was happening. How it's supposed to be like beneath, uh, under wraps, undercover, yeah. underground. Yeah, so it, there's like a parallel thing going on there where the basement is really scary because the basement is like your id, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's like your true self, and it's scary to face your your skeletons in your closet, your your right. true feelings, whatever. And I think the game makes an argument for both. Like sometimes these things are buried down there, but they need to come out. Uh, and sometimes these things are buried down there because they're so hurtful and they're so scary. Like the dad's part. So, yeah. So well, that's the less cool part of the basement. Yes. <laughs> that's the part that. So that's the part I was saying. I thought that trouble. was in in the servants' quarter, but it's not. It's in like another weird, creepy. It's off of an offshoot of the servants' okay, quarter. Okay, so it's connected. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you go there, and you find a safe. Yeah. Um, 
Then on the wall next to the safe is a series of marks into like a door frame to measure the height of your father from a child all the way up to the young age of 12. Yeah, so the father's name is Terry. Oh, there's there's years on it. Right. Yes, yes. And so, like, that's not, like a thing that people did is measure... Yeah. Their children's height. Well, my parents did that on the door frame all the time. Right. Yeah. But it's a little weird that you're doing it with your uncle and in his the basement. basement. In his basement. And not even like in the big part of the basement. No, a secret part of the basement. Yeah. So I guess let's just set the scene because I guess to not... If someone is hearing the story for the first time, they might want to know how you put this together. Right. right because so. people play the game. Uh-huh. And to and be perfectly honest, it, so. I missed it the first time, and it wasn't until you told me, Chris, that I went back and got extremely disturbed. Yeah, because yeah. at so, first I was like, that's creepy. That's weird. Because you also find, like, a children's toy yes. facing a wall in, like, a corner. Yeah, in the like, back oh. room where the you logs have to go, were. Yeah, yeah, you have to go into the, uh, into the little closet, which the lights do not turn on in there. And it's in, like, the little corner you pick up the little horse... Toy, a, a like toy. A wooden, yeah. And it's an old toy. Yeah. So it's kind of showing that this is probably your dad's toy from when he was a kid. Oh, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, or Oscars or Yeah, something. so I thought it was weird that it was like in the corner, and I was like, oh, why did they make him face the corner? But Yeah, why is, why is the toy in the yeah. corner of this dark closet, right? So the last mark on the wall is age... 12? I think it's 1963. It is, ni- it yeah. is 1963. Yes. Because and if you enter that in the thanks- safe... It's Thanksgiving of 1963. What? So it's like right after... Wait, 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 wait. So, sorry, you're saying it's right after the, the assassination. Yeah. Right? yeah. But this happened during Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yeah. That's why they were over there. I think wow. it's what it's implied. Yeah. That's crazy. So not only does it ruin 1963 for him, it ruins probably every That's Thanksgiving. That's audacious. Which is fine because Thanksgiving is like my it least favorite holiday. It ruins the concept of gratitude. <laughs> and imperialism, I guess. Anyway, not trying to Which joke Which is really about what this. we celebrate is imperialism right. on Thanksgiving. So you open the safe. And the code is, of course, 1963. And I, by the way, I didn't even notice the thing on the wall yet when I opened the safe. Because I had been trying 1963 on the other things in the house, too. Because <laughs> 1963 is the assassination. Yeah. Was, which is what Terry, the father, writes about all the time. Yeah. So you open the, the safe, and I think there's some drugs. Like, there's some hypo, hypodermic needles or whatever it's called. There are. And you and, know, the Uncle Oscar had owned uh, a drugstore. Right. Yeah. And so he was a druggist back in the 20s, and mm-hmm. so he probably had his supply of... Whatever he wanted. Whatever he wanted mm-hmm. to and you, sedate or anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you also find a letter he wrote uh, to, I think, his sister or cousin or someone Something, like that. a close family member. Yeah, and he's it's kind of like confessional. Like, it doesn't say exactly what he did, but he says he did something really evil, and he needs to... Uh, what is what's he like? like has a tone, to do a tone for repent. dependence, something. Repent. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, and I think that's where I was like, oh. And he also <laughs> sell. There's a, a letter where he sells the soda shop, or not the soda shop, the drug shop. I just wanted to be like the fifties, mm-hmm. the drug shop, so he can be away from temptation. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, which could be both, you know, the drugs and also children. Yes. 
Because what you're meant to put together is that... Uncle Oscar was a pedophile. Yes. yes. I think he... Yeah. You're supposed to put together that he raped uh, Katie's dad. Yes. When he was 12. Yes. And maybe that was the one time it actually happened? Probably. Maybe? Like, that was yeah. a time where he was like, this is my chance. But I think it's definitely... I think the height measurement there and the toy almost imply that... It happened a lot. That's or, what I was wondering that, too. That maybe he was like sexually assaulted in some way and then it progressed to rape by Whoa, then. I just had a thought. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that's when they were discovered? It could be that. And then like maybe your dad didn't know that this was bad right. until everyone came and like was screaming and like Yeah, maybe he had the confirmation like that it was bad. Yes. And yeah. then he realizes, oh no, I'm being hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's super dark. Because, I mean, we know what the family does when they find out someone is, like, abnormal, right? That we... we they Excommunicate. They, yeah, they just don't... Which or, is why... Or they just deny that it ever happened, right? Yeah, which is why Oscar became a recluse, right? Yeah. He's, like, cut off by his family, and he's like, you're right, I'm going to sell the shop. And I think the fact that his letter of apology is in the safe means either he never sent it, or he sent it, and it got sent back. It did, it did. Okay, so it got sent back. Yes. Okay. So, obviously, his family has just cut him off. Which, I, I, I mean, so. I can't blame them. Yeah. I would do, I would do the same thing. For my own safety. Yeah. I assume that he wrote it to his sister, who is Terry's mother. Probably. And if I were, if I were Terry's mother, I'd be like, never. Sis, it would be his sister-in-law. If it oh, was yeah. Terry's mother. It's, there it's, wouldn't be. It's, oh, so uh, we know that the dad uncle. is his. The dad I, is 100%. I, I, the brother. I think it is. The brother. Because oh, that's okay. why he leaves him the property. Too. Right. That's why he got the property. Yeah. So you also find oh. uh, the deed or what? Not the deed, the uh, will or whatever, mm-hmm. and it says I am giving all of my property or my house to my nephew. Like he feels some sort of remorse for what he yeah. did. Well, right, right. And he's trying to rectify the problem, but what his father actually wants is, like, how can he look this gift in the like a gift horse in the mouth when he doesn't want to tell anybody about it? So when his wife hears about it like yeah we should probably move yeah. into the house yeah. he's like I, I don't if, know if he even it, remembers but I'm not even sure if he, he can be super repressed right it could is, be super yeah. repressed but it might also lead to his spiral downwards because yeah. the house is now like associated so deeply inside of him that that it's he's a bad it. place. He could be thinking like, yeah, something bad happened to me here. Yeah. I don't know if I should be here. And that and that actually could have affected his ability to like write. Yeah. And his and he, marriage and everything. He so. definitely has this very deep... Because I think, I think obviously the parallel we're supposed to draw is that he writes these books about someone, some hero going back in time to stop this awful thing that happened around Thanksgiving in 1963. Yeah. And that the, the assassination of Kennedy is his stand-in. Yeah for what he yeah. went through and, and he's, for wishing he's for somebody JFK. to come and save him because i think you actually find books about the person like jfk the, as a person yeah, in the yeah. House too so i think maybe he starts to identify with jfk yeah so this i mean i think this is a like a huge plot, plot twist yeah like i think this is it's weird to me that they're so subtle about it and yes. that it is a subplot yes so i actually want to talk about why do you think it's better that this is a subplot? Because I, I've heard people say, the game. I don't agree with this, but people say the game isn't even about uh, Sam. It's actually about the dad. And Sam and the, the mom's plot is kind of, are, are like forced in. 
But I actually think the opposite. I, I actually feel like the high drama of the father's plot feels a little bit out of place. But I also like it because I, I think the game is trying to say that we we are so absorbed with what's happening in our lives that we don't really see... We, we don't bother to look deeper into other people in the case of the dad or in the case of Sam, right? Because yeah. it is reciprocal. Yeah. And in the mom's case, I almost want to say it's saying... Every, all of her stuff was on the surface and yeah. no one bothered to look because I couldn't really figure out like a structure for reveals about the mom the way we did with Sam and, and the dad. I well, agree. And I think... I think that's partially because the mom never had any basement material. Right. So she doesn't really have a descent into darkness or hiding. Right. Most of her stuff is, as you say, on the surface. So I think Sam and the dad have interesting parallels, yeah. right? Like they both are writers they both are dealing with something they feel like they can't talk about mm -hmm. um and i think that maybe i mean obviously the dad is very different than sam's and eh, i feel like it's fine as a subplot because if i had heard hey there's this game about a father who deals with repressing his being molested or being raped as a child I would be like, I am not going, that is not a game for me. I'm yeah, out. Yeah. Like, like I'm yeah. out. As opposed to, because the way, because Gone Home, people did pitch it to me as, oh, it's, you know, it's really cool you go through and it's about this girl's kind of self-discovery. Yes. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm in. Like, yeah. there's yeah. no, there's no elevator pitch for yeah, a game about true. a man who deals that's with having point. been raped. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. It's not something you're going to pitch to somebody. But, right. But do you, so did you feel like, when you were reading that, did you feel like, oh, I want to know more about the dad? Or did you feel like it was well-balanced? I thought it was pretty well-balanced. Um, I think that it did a really interesting job because you're focused on what your sister is feeling. But yes. what that subplot with your father tells you about, it, it, it shows that all of these problems are kind of intertwined, but mm -hmm. they're really all stemming from that one moment. It probably is what caused a lot of these Bibles to show up, maybe. Oh, that's um, a good it part. could have caused yeah. um, a bunch of things that why they're so rigid of, about. Yeah, it could have caused yeah. Sam to actually kind of resent well, the authority that, like, and the maybe they imposes. make everyone very sexually repressed. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he, like, overcompensates. He's like, no, everything is sexually repressed here. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. So I think I think it was well balanced. In fact, the one that I wanted to know more about was the mom. Yes, and I thought that that was interesting. I thought because when you're looking at the stuff that the mom has, like about talking about Ranger Rick, right? So like spoilers, Ranger the mom's into Rick. Ranger Rick. Who, Who wouldn't be? Yes, <laughs> we don't know anything <laughs> about him. Uh, but there's this super sexy ranger who comes to... She's like a for His park name ranger, right? is Ranger Rick. Yes. It's alliterative. Yes. He's a superhero character. Oh, my... Super like... comic. Super, super comic? Super comic. I yeah. love reading super comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we find out that, like, there's this hot new super uh, competent, super attractive guy on her job... Um, and she's very successful, right? Yes. So she's always being, she's getting, like, good reviews at her job. She's, she's the breadwinner. She's making a lot right. of money. So her life seems perfect, right? Right. And she also has these letters that are, say, like, talking about Ranger Rick, like, right out in the open. Yeah. 
And, and she's yet, she's talking to one of her friends from growing up, I assume. Yes. Or like old friends. Yeah. And this stuff is not like hidden in a cupboard or it's not hidden like in a secret compartment mm-hmm. or anything. It's just out there. Yeah. And I, I almost feel like it's saying that no one cared. Like yeah. no one actually, everyone is so focused mm-hmm. on, on their big problems, of course. And that, it's like everybody's so far down in the basement that yes. it's, I can leave things just yeah, yeah. around. Yeah. So you find she has a book about um, like marital counseling, right? There's something about like how to save your marriage. Yes. There's a book laying around. It's in the bathroom, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You yeah. also have a book under her bed that's a book of poems that Ranger Rick loaned her. Oh. With a little note okay. on the uh, bookmark from him saying like, I think you'll like this wink. Yeah. Really? Which is there is a not... poem that it's like open to or anything? I don't know. I don't know if I, I got this one. I I just know I have never shared a book of poetry with a coworker. I've never shared a book of poetry with anyone. I mean there's also that. There's also that. I'm not a big not a big poetry girl. But like yeah. so you know, you know something's yes. up. And then you see he invited her to North Wind and Fire concert. Ooh. It's my favorite band. <laughs> Dancing in September. And that's the one song I know by them. Yeah. I found out that was a Let's Wind and Fire song just <laughs> right. now. <laughs> Let's groove tonight. Ba-da-da-da. Is that Share the same the spice song? Alive. No, it's, that's a different song. It's, let's groove tonight. Is that also by Earth, Wind, and Fire? I believe so. Oh my God, I'm learning so much about Earth, Wind, and Fire. And if not, I'm sorry. Everybody. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> so she invites her to the Earth, Wind, and Fire concert, and he's like, "Hey, yo, girl, my girlfriend couldn't go to this concert with me. I think you'd like it better anyway. Yeah, you should come with." That's the voice I read it into. <laughs> It's a sexy Ranger yeah. Rick voice. And we, but we don't find any evidence that this affair was, or potential affair was like consummated. Correct. Okay. Correct. So we're There's not like, sure. um, somebody has condoms in a drawer, I think. It was the dad's drawer. Mean oh, it's the dad's drawer. That's <laughs> yeah. what I mean. Like, so I don't like, I think that's as close. Yeah. So, but there is the ticket. You do find the ticket stub. Yes. But, so she did so go. So she did go. She went. Yes. And then like, she writes like a letter of like praise about him as well. She's like, yeah, he's great. But I think the conflict there is, so there's like a bit of a timeline on when they move and she meets him and they're going to these concerts and she suggests him for a promotion, but she is also offered a promotion and she doesn't accept it for a while. And I think she doesn't accept it because she doesn't want to be away from But she does, right? Eventually? She does in the end. Okay. Right. And you also find out that he gets married. Yes. So, okay, so on that note, you find out all of this stuff when you're in, I would call the third act. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So I separate into, like, the first floor and second floor, right, as being kind of, like, one part of the game. And then you descend down to the basement and you find mm-hmm. all this stuff. And then you come out in the on east the wing. east uh, Yeah, the east wing, uh, which I call the, the second, I guess, ascent. And that's kind of where things start to get resolved. Right. Yes. Yes. So you discover... So for the mom, it's that Ranger Rick gets married. Yeah. And she does not go. No. Instead, she goes on a couple's retreat. Yes. And you're like, oh, so she is choosing, rather than give in to this, whether they've consummated or not, this this potential affair, which is obviously over because he's getting... Well, I guess... <clears> apparently <throat> marriage... I sure hope it's over. <laughs> yes. He's getting married. So she's closed the book on Ranger Rick. Yeah. And instead is going to, to work on her marriage with her husband. 
her husband, on the other hand, uh, you find evidence that he is trying to move on and he's going to write a new story about uh, not JFK, but more of going to the future, I think. Yeah, his book gets picked up for new syndication, right? A new syndication likes how wacky his old book is. And they're doing some kind of, like, niche audience. uh, I don't know if it's, like, a literary journal or what, but they say they want to start publishing his work again. Yeah, yeah. And this coincides with, um, you see his wife leaving him notes now. So before, there's something where his wife talks about how she can't understand anything that he's talking about. Yeah. Like, there's, there, I can't remember exactly if it's about his book or what, but she makes some comment about her husband being kind of impenetrable, right? There was one um, uh, manuscript in the library, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Where she had a sticky note on it that said... I believe in you. Yeah. I thought that was in the kitchen. I think it was in the kitchen. It was it in the yeah, kitchen? Yeah, it was in the kitchen. And, and that's because oh. I was surprised. I was like, I didn't even realize that I had not read any direct message from Between her to him. Them. Yeah. And then in the kitchen you see it and you're like, oh, when did this happen? So I want to point out, I didn't know where in time this came from. So that could have always been there, right? Yeah. But because the game is showing it to you later, it's almost like the resolution comes from you learning something about their relationship that maybe you didn't know before. Yeah. So there's almost like an extra temporal resolution that's going on there too, where you get resolution personally for what a worry you might've had about your parents. Definitely. And I mean, I think those, those sticky notes from her, right. Of encouragement replace the notes he had made for himself, echoing his father's discouraging words. Right. And so as he goes out and becomes, And, and starts embracing his family and getting out of his own mind, he is able to grow out of this terrible phase that he was stuck in. Yes. And he sets up a new workstation, too, in the greenhouse, which is, like, super symbolic, right? Yeah. Like, you're like planting your life, life. Regrowth. Sunshine. Absolutely. So I, I like that. Yeah. I, th- I thought that even though I was super into, like, because you find... I, I picked up on the mom subplot first. I'm like, whoa. Mom's unhappy. She wants some strange. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I need to know more about this. Because dad was clearly like a little... He's set up as like crazy. Yeah. And then you find the basement and you're like, oh, oh. Yeah. I'm so sorry. So, coincidentally, this is where shit hits the fan for Sam. That's true. Yeah. So, you get this kind of like resolution for the parents. Yeah. But it almost coincides with things uh, going well, wrong. Because right. this is where Sam kind of comes out. Right. She comes yes. out of the closet to her parents. Yeah. And her parents ground her, tell her she can't meet with Lonnie anymore, that it's unacceptable, and she's going to... Not unacceptable, but impossible. impossible. We talked about it a little earlier, yeah. but they're like, well, you don't... I know you're telling us that you're a lesbian, you just don't understand. Yes. We're telling you that you're not. Yes. It's just a phase, Sam. Oh, yeah. Right. That's what they said. Yeah. Right. Which I know is a is a thing that a lot of people go through yes. in, that, in that situation. They think they're, like, sick or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That it's impossible. That it's... You're talking about the parents, right? And, and I want to... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's that is a response that a lot of, especially teenagers yeah. who are in the process of coming, although I'm sure it's true of anyone of any age that they receive that response. Like, I, I have friends who have received that response from yes. their parents, almost yeah. verbatim. Like, a, oh, no, you're not. You're just friends. 
My mine was the opposite. My parents were like afraid I was gay for a while. I think. <laughs> and you're like, no, no. No, I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> like, they're like, Chris. <laughs> I, we I'm not know you think anything. you're strange, but we just want you to know that you're gay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think it's interesting that the way Sam kind of comes out to her parents is it's not intentional. It's because she defies authority at school, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. something is written on one of their lockers. It's, on her locker, yeah. calling her a slur. I, they don't. For... They don't say what it is. They just say it is a like a swear word essentially oh i inferred that it was probably something along the lines of a bad word for a lesbian lesbian. yeah 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 so like or like something just really derogatory because lonnie in turn writes it on her own locker oh in solidarity solidarity. yeah which 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 seems almost like a when you see a negative word about you yeah and you're trying to like appropriate it yeah you're yeah. trying to take the power back yeah of the right. word yeah yeah where it is armor because then nothing can get to you yeah yeah, yeah. so i think i think that's, that's lonnie's motivation call out. thank yeah. you is Tyr- it? yeah it was Tyrion. <laughs> oh is this he used dwarf or something yeah a bastard oh was when he was talking to Jon snow in the first book but i don't need to go into my fandom of that game of thrones would be like a whole other podcast in fact i'm sure there are Eight million podcasts. I don't think there's a Game of Thrones podcast. (laughs) I doubt there's even a Reddit for it. (laughs) So, okay, so this is important to me, the the fact that she kind of comes out by defying the principle because... She sticks up for Lonnie. Right. So, so Lonnie gets expelled, and she's like, um, yes. you didn't expel the person who did it to my locker. Right. So, you st- like, Sam starts out, she's repressing her anger, mm-hmm. right? Because she's, she's expressing it through her stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she's repressing her sexuality, and she's repressing how different she is from her parents. And then she meets Lonnie. And then Sam kind of, Sam and Lonnie kind of express themselves to each other they like be themselves around each other yeah and they collectively move away from the group so this is yes. sam and lonnie crossing i know i'm getting very campbellian here but this is them <laughs> crossing a threshold together right yeah mm-hmm. um and there's a note in the basement and I, I think this is the first note you find in the basement uh or a journal entry uh where she talks about going on a field trip uh, with Lonnie and the rest of the school and yeah. they get lost because they separate from the group and the name of the note is stick with the group and so this is where Sam is tr- starting to figure out what it's like to just say I'm going to be on my own I'm yeah. going to march to the beat of my, a different drummer it's kind of like a, a metaphor for what they're going through Yeah. Mm-hmm. and then when you come back to the kitchen um, Sam and Lonnie are now in solidarity like actively outwardly yeah. Yes. Um, saying to the rest of the group, we're we're not like you, and we're fine with that. Yeah. You know. Yes. Saying to the principal, who like the maybe, ultimate authority. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. maybe your logic and your your what you perceive as your social norms aren't okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe your justice system is not yeah. okay. So when Sam and Lonnie come back from the field trip, they are almost at the point where they're the master of both worlds. The the, the yeah. final obstacle here is that. Uh, Sam and Lonnie now have to talk to Sam's parents because her parents find out she's in trouble. Her parents are like in disbelief. They're in denial. And they don't want Sam to be around Lonnie. And if I remember correctly, don't her parents tell her to go and hang out with her old friend again? And she does? Yeah, they push at the very beginning. So at the very start of Act 1 and at 
a certain point in Act 3 for her to hang out with this guy who's a friend from home or from where they used to live or yes. something. He's an old friend, yeah. Who has reached out to her. There's yeah. this very push, you need to be heteronormative. This, by the way, was another point where I felt like I was Sam. Because when you're, I don't know if you guys had this experience, but when I was like seven, I was super different from every other kid. I was, I felt a lot like Sam. Mm-hmm. And one of my only friends when I was like seven was another kid who, uh, I had a Super Nintendo. And then when I was like nine, I got like a PlayStation, right? And then this kid had a Sega Genesis and a Nintendo 64, so we were compatible. (laughs) So I, like, went over to this kid's house and we played games, but, like, that was the only connection I had with this kid. And so when Sam is, like, feeling guilty about the fact that she only hung out with this kid because they, like, they like the the same same video video games and she didn't connect with him anymore, uh, I was was feeling that a little bit. Um, And she kind of apologizes to him a little later, which... I felt that made me happy to kind of acknowledge that someone was trying to care about you. Someone was being your friend. No, I can, I, I was always on the wrong console. So I would totally go hang up at people's houses, you know, cause I had like a Sega Genesis and I would find any kid with an N64. I'm like, Oh, we're friends now. Yeah. Do you, do you have Ocarina of Time? Yeah. Uh, That, That would be like nowadays, like a kid saying, Oh, you have Hulu. My parents only have Netflix. So maybe that's more universal than I thought. Maybe I'm not as bad a person as I thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was something I related to Sam about. And so the thing that I don't relate to Sam about is that she went back and apologized <laughs> to this kid, which I didn't do. I haven't talked to this kid in like 20 years. Well, now you have all of the consoles. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and you have new friends who also have the same console. Yeah. And other interests. Yeah. That we share. Maybe. My bit of... Maybe Chris is just friends with us for, for our maybe. consoles. Maybe. Yeah, Sterling, so Sterling, when are you going to buy a PSVR? <laughs> Sometime. So yeah, Sam's super relatable at this point, right? And she's going through this really difficult point with her parents. And we reach, we reach the real resolution, which is she has this beautiful romantic attic set up with, with Sam, or with um, Lonnie, and they have this... Where they reach new heights. This, well, they have, like, their last night together. Oh, okay. So, yeah, quote, to give context, they have a whole summer where they hang out together, um, and they have a lot of time because, the I don't know, the parents are, like, off somewhere? They're dealing with their own stuff. You know, oh, you know what it is? Um, the parents go on their vacation, and that's when Lonnie and Sam hang out in the house, I think. Because Lonnie isn't allowed back at the house. Right. After Sam, like, right. comes out. So the big moment in the attic is because her parents are not home. I th- yeah, I think that's the culmination of, like, the week or whatever that yes. her parents were gone. And then they say they're going to talk to Oscar one last time. And by the way, at this point in the story, we still don't know that Oscar is not a ghost. He is a ghost. Okay. Most people don't know that Oscar isn't a ghost, right? No, you know that he's the uncle who lived there. Right. And I think he, we know he's dead. We know he's dead, but, I mean, did you guys think that there was still a supernatural element at that point? Oh, you mean that it was still looming that there might be a supernatural yes. twist? Yes. Um. And I actually seriously thought they were going to kill themselves. Yeah, I, th- I thought that they were going to have one last, like, seance kind of thing with the Ouija board and, you know, say goodbye to their ghost friend, but also, you know, see you in a second. Like and then, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Yes. Exactly. Oh, okay. I, I, I see where you're coming from that. I kind of took it in a different way. Uh, I kind of saw them going to the attic as, like, this is the 
height of their relationship and it's all going to be downhill. They're leaving the next day. Ooh, like the pinnacle. There's oh. nothing left for it to go, where it, for their relationship to go because Lonnie has to go to the military and Sam is going to some crazy creative writing school. Yeah. So then I think it's very interesting that the resolution is, considering that the house is a physical embodiment of their story. Right? It's a physical embodiment and we even we even visualize it in a three act structure where the placement of what happens is important to it, right? The basement is a low part of the house and it is a uh-huh. low part of the story and their baggage. The attic is the pinnacle of the house and it could be the pinnacle of their romantic relationship. So then I think it's very interesting that the resolution is Sam leaves the house. Right? She That's is now true. completely disconnected from this physical realization of their story. So you could almost say that what Sam thinks the solution is, is that she, she comes out, she's honest about who she is, and then she reintegrates, which is, I guess in 2017, like that's what we expect the, the ending of the story to be. Mm-hmm. But here's where the setting kind of comes into play, right? Because yeah. this is the 90s. And ultimately, Sam and Lonnie realize that they just have to leave. Like, they have to go find a different place that will accept them. Or maybe they will just accept each other and that's all they need. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Like, I want to be sappy and take a moment and say I think the game has a lot of really super romantic aspects to it. Yeah. Um, Both in Sam and Lonnie's relationship and in the parents' relationship. Just kind of talking about how when you're with the right person, they help bring out the best in you. Like, they help you... They make you want to be a better person, but also make you a better person. Yeah, like, they they provide that support for you to be comfortable being yourself, and that that motivation, they push you enough to get you there, you know? And I think that that Sam and Lonnie show that in their self-discovery, and I think that, you know, in the subplot, the parents uh, discover that, too. So, I think it was really cute. So, I think it ends on a good note. But I do want to take a moment and go into kind of the, the ludonarrative dissonance. And for those of that don't know what ludonarrative dissonance is... Other than a fun word, because it is a fun word. It's a wonderful word, word to say. But uh, ludonarrative dissonance is a word describing the clash that a story has with the gameplay. Yeah, so kind of things that have to happen because it's a game, right? That take you out of the story sometimes, though. Or I, I would even say that there's different avenues of storytelling that a video game uses. And those different tracks, like if you look at it as different tracks of like a song, that they are in dissonance with each other. Yeah. So like in this game, the big one just at the ending is that like, like it's great that Sam and Lonnie's story has resolution. I think the parents' story has resolution. Katie has no resolution. Right. Mm-hmm. She is still standing in a house all, where all by herself. Well, right. I, so I think Katie's resolution is that she understands her parents and her sister better than she has ever understood them her whole life. Is that resolution? Also, I, she I understands so. where they went. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. That's true. I guess she's like, I know I, where they are. I guess everyone's like, alive. I'll go order a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's implied that Sam's not coming back. Yeah. I mean, like, it's sad. Yeah. Like, can you imagine discovering that, like, you had a sibling who went through this kind of difficult journey yeah while you were gone didn't have your help right and didn't like as as the older siblings sometimes like like siblings can be a buffer 
between your parents and and the other siblings. Sterling, you're an, you're an only child, mm-hmm. so you you lacked the buffer. No, I had friends and okay. pets. Okay. Yes, <laughs> get in there, Storm. You're the you're the buffer. Uh-huh. So like, but like you know, sometimes your parents are upset at at you and your siblings. Like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like they right. can kind of talk them down. So with Katie out, like, I would feel guilty. Yes. So I'm sure she feels guilt that Sam didn't have her to, that you weren't there to defend Sam. Well, we also don't know what Katie would be thinking. Like, Sam, the entire time, says, like, hey, I know that you always knew that I was different than you in my sexuality, but she never really addresses what Katie would have done. Because if we see all of her work and everything, she might have sided with her dad. I assume, I assume that Katie would have been open to it. Because Sam feels so comfortable that she has written this journal that's, from the beginning. That's true. Like, and, and geared it towards Katie. Yeah. I Although thought, it is weird that she never mailed these as letters. I think Sam left the journal because I, I don't think she ever wrote it for Katie. I think it was for the family. and I, like, th- I think it was just for her. But when she left, she realized that Katie was coming home. And she's like, I want, if the one person understands okay. me, I want it to be Katie. So she rephrased her own journal. Maybe. That makes yeah. sense. I think she rewrote it. And um, I think um, I think Katie does go on a journey here. And I think that her journey is our journey, which is a journey of, like, understanding. So Sam and the parents go through, like, a more dramatic kind of I think it would be super traumatic to come home and find out that your parents are like their marriage is on the rocks. Yeah. That like. Well, she may she may have known that. Maybe your mom cheated, and also possibly your dad was like raped as a child. Like these are because if if we put these together, then our we're meant to understand that Katie puts this together. Yeah. She is processing a lot, and it's just like the end. Like. Yeah. We just dumped a lot on Katie. I feel bad that I made Katie learn all of this. That's, that's well, a good point. I didn't make Katie really learn about her father, so <laughs> kudos to me. <laughs> well, and then the other like weird dissonance for me is that her first instinct is, better go open all the drawers and look under the bed. So, okay, so that's a good point, because you're not coming in as a private detective or anything. You're coming in as someone who simply comes home to a, a house that it seems in not in disarray but like no one's there that should be there so that's like a kind of disarray right. right and you're trying to figure out what happened and i think there's different ways you could frame what she's trying to do here you could frame it as she's trying to figure out what happened to her sister and she's going to react to that which doesn't happen mm-hmm. right um but you could also look at it as katie wants to figure out what happened in the year that she was gone and so the ending it, it kind of excludes that because that's the moment where you and Katie kind of separate. Yeah. And maybe the game is saying, like, this is the only time that you and Katie are kind of together. And so your I'm reaction like, to it might be different from It Katie's. still just took me super out of the game well, that I'm like, better figure out the code to this locker. Because, yeah. like, in, that, in a real situation, I wouldn't be like... I need to dig through everything. I need, I need to open Sam's locker. Right, like, I need that, to unlock That actually things. is a little bit strange. It's a very gamey aspect to it. I gotta, fi- I gotta find the secret passageways and unlock the things. Right. Like, maybe I'm lazy, but I would be like, well, all right, I guess I'm gonna sit here. here here's I'll wait the other it out. thing. Katie isn't entirely separated from this experience mm-hmm. because there's at least two points in the game where Katie's own voice is actually affecting how you read things. One of them, uh, the name of like her Lisa Frank or whatever folder, I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys saw that in the closet, yeah. Yeah. 
she the name of it oh. is I can't believe Sam still has this. Yeah. Right? So that's Katie's name for that object. Right. Yeah. And then another one said something like, my goodness, Sam, or something like yeah. that. Right. And there was also, ew, for the condom in your parents' drawer. Yes. And yeah. dad, I can't believe you're reading this for the, oh, the really? porn mag. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't remember that. Yeah. So there is little bits of Katie coming that's through. True. So I could see how you'd be conditioned to like wants more of Katie to come through later yeah. when things like amp up. Cause Katie is totally silent when you find the toy. Right. And yeah. I, and I want her to be, I don't want Katie to be like, Oh my God, my dad got raped or something when she sees the toy. Yeah. That would like totally yeah, destroy that it's... drama. Right. But maybe, but you're saying you want it to happen in the kitchen. Yeah. Or like towards Some the form end. of processing. Cause it just feels like it's completely separate. Yeah. And she's just this monster. That's just like, like going in there and and throwing open drawers and and all that sort of stuff and yeah. So I'll, I mean I mean there were there were things that felt gamey that made me feel separate from the plot. But I also think it's important to talk about why we think this worked well, well I mean, as a video game. I think you, your distance that you're feeling right there is something that wasn't dissonance for me because sometimes when I come home and I don't see my parents, <laughs> you're like time to go to a condom drawer. <laughs> you, you turn on all the lights in the house and take things out of the drawer and throw them on the ground. First, I watched you play that game. First of all, well, yeah, I, I don't throw things that, on the that's, floor, that's, but I, I look for notes first. That's I a see. good point, though. You wouldn't, the, the same day you come home that no one's home, you wouldn't go and open safes. You're right. I, 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 I would not, like, find safes and open them, but I would go through the drawers and I would look and yeah. see things like, oh, is there something that they're not home or why aren't yeah. they home? Like, is there a receipt somewhere saying, like, I bought tickets to this? Um, I don't know. I, yeah. I feel like it's not the most unreasonable thing. And me... I would turn on all the lights in every room because... I actually would do that. I'm a coward. Wow, guys. I'm a... Yeah. I'm, I, I actually did do that when I was a kid. I still do that at my parents' house. Well, your house is different. My... <laughs> There, there is like a butler mannequin lurking so, in the darkness. What we should explain is that at Sterling's parents' house, there is a stuffed There's a stuffed butler. person. <laughs> that sounds worse. <laughs> How would you... I'm not going to make you describe it. It's an art show uh, purchase of a cartoonish life-sized butler that is stuffed. And it terrifies me. Yeah. And, You're not... and, and it was in his basement. Like, I turned a corner in his basement and yelled. Once. No, that's a different butler. Oh, okay. That's, that's, not, that's, I thought that's, that's like, Chewbacca. That's, no, Chewbacca, Chewbacca was built over this ghost butler. We, we'll talk about why Sterling has a butler collection <laughs> later <laughs> in his basement. I, let's just say you want to play Gone Home in Sterling's house. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> so, so what else worked, what worked well? Like, what about this do you think could only have been achieved as a video game? Like, like could this have been a movie? If no. this were a movie or a book, would it have done I, the same I thing? I personally don't think so. I think the very act of picking up something that you're not supposed to pick up is something a game does, because only in a game do you have the agency to pick it up, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, because it's in the game, you can you know subconsciously or whatever, you know that you're supposed to pick it up. But in the story of the game, you are not supposed to. And so there is like a thrill of like looking into things that maybe you've never been able to see before, right? Or looking at things that people normally go out of their way to hide from you. 
mm-hmm. which is true in a lot of other games, right? Like in other games, you go, like in Resident Evil, you go through like journals and stuff, and you you open secret rooms and you look at stuff that you were never supposed to find. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting to apply that to say that there's also like hidden demons in our world in the real world there's things that might seem mundane if written down in a book but to that person it's like the greatest secret in the world right and i I really do think that as this could only work as a video game because in a book it will guide you through it it's unless it's a choose your own adventure book but it will tell you and show you everything you need um this was a interesting and fun experience for me because i could miss things i could have an incomplete picture of the story yeah and i could experience it all firsthand yeah which is something that a book while i'm reading it kind of makes me feel like i'm experiencing it through the character but this kind of puts me so far into that character that it's me i also think that the way you use context clues in this would be different than the way context clues can be given to you in a film or in a book. So we talked a lot earlier about um, how where you find something influences how you interpret it. And I think showing someone, like showing that rejection letter in a bar, in a movie, I would just be like, all right, I'm looking at things. Yeah. But that agency you get in a game to explore and discover the context for yourself gives it greater power. I agree. And I that actually leads into why I did have a bit of dissonance with the game. And that was that when I'm walking into the house for the first time, I actually think I'm walking into the house for the first time. But when you beat the game, I actually think that's not what's happening. I think you you are in your mind reliving a memory of you walking into the house 10 minutes or like an hour ago. And the reason I think that is because when you look at certain things that belong to Sam, you get an excerpt from her diary that yeah, plays that is weird. at appropriate moments. So when I was playing through the game, I was like, this is dumb because I'm listening to a tape physically. Like I'm physically putting the tape in and listening to it. Why would the, the diary be something that the game tells me when to I have look clearly at, already right? found the diary. Right. If I'm hearing it, but I haven't found exactly. But I'm so hearing the diary to happening. find the diary. Right. So that's kind of resolved yeah. at the very end, but it was still something that was nagging me while I was playing the yeah. game. So yeah. my conclusion at the end was that you read the diary and now you think back to like all this stuff and you read. So you're just and you're reliving connecting it. So, I like, I like yeah. that interpretation a lot. So overall, then good story? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I actually, yeah. I think it's I think it's a story about the telling, or I think it's a game about the telling of the story. Yeah. Um, and I think that people call it a walking simulator, and I actually disagree with that. For me, I think it's a snooping simulator. I think this is <laughs> a game about looking at things, about putting a, almost like a, I mean, in law terms, putting a case file together, right? Mm-hmm. Being an investigator. This, I mean, that's my shit. Like, I love all the investigating stuff that you have to do right like as a lawyer but here you get to do it with people who are portrayed as people in your life and that's what's fun about it yeah in a kind of fucked up way yeah yeah what do you think good story great story uh yeah i I, think it it tells an important story too i believe you're right and i think that maybe the game it's not a story told as much in the context of a video game so maybe it reached an audience it wouldn't normally have reached? I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, I think before we wrap up this episode, 
we should uh, go with our, what, what would you have called this game? Our alternative title segment. Alternative titles. I don't know. I think, I think maybe I'd go with, <sighs> I didn't love the 90s. Maybe. Street Fighter 3. Yeah? Street yeah. Fighter 3? I mean, they play a lot of Street Fighter, which I liked. They do. I don't know. I just wanted to put that up. <laughs> so my old Chris is always waiting to talk about Street Fighter. <laughs> all right, all right. So I didn't love the 90s. Uh, Blackmail Simulator 1995. Ooh. All right. Starting. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you said, like, never mind. Um, <laughs> I would say, where the hell is my family? <laughs> Charlie's like, I missed a major plot point in this game. Where the hell is my family? I like that. All right. Um, So thanks, everyone, for joining us on our our very first episode. Uh, If you're seeing this in your feed, you should be able to find a couple other episodes up for you. So you can give us a listen and see what you think. You can find us at playerversusplot.com. That's player vs plot. And you should be able to find us on Twitter and Instagram at player versus plot as well. So check us out. Uh, leave us some reviews on iTunes. Recommendations. Yes, yes. We appreciate getting the word out and we appreciate feedback as well. So thanks. 